Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer and welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And I was just saying to our studio audience, <laughs> all of our guests here, on days like this, I just love my job. Um, it reminds me of being a reporter again, where you're going after a story and you're trying to figure out what happened. So what did you think of that election yesterday? It wasn't exactly a red tidal wave, was it? Um, we were all thinking uh, something big was going to happen, so, but some big things did happen and everything's not decided, I know. And a lot of you, I've seen you online today um, calling you're, you're depressed and you're sad and you're angry and you're frustrated. And that's because if you really look at the numbers, um, it's not that far apart on a lot of the on a lot of the things that were out there. It's just just that we have no voice and um, and the other side doesn't give a shit. <laughs> they they prefer that we don't have a voice. And so we we need to keep talking about this stuff so that we don't give up. And that we it's um, here. Angela says it's still not over. So our show tonight is brought to you by Chris Daniel Family Dentistry, where everyone is welcome. And around the holidays, you want to get your your uh, appointments made now before the holidays come, because you don't want to be putting up with bad teeth and not. Get, isn't that right, Michael? He's going to be joining us. Michael Bratlin is joining us tonight because um, he's not opinionated. So I thought I'd invite him. Bill London is going to be here to give us some election results and talk a little bit about that. Alan Stout is a candidate who first time out running for a House district in Springfield. He did super well. And he and I talked on the phone today and I thought, you got to come on the show because he has some really good insight and some really good ideas about running. And, um, and and I think I want you to hear that. And then I got this press release from the greater Idaho people, because a lot of you are going, I want to move out of Oregon. I want to go move out of Oregon. What if we just moved the line and got out of Oregon, but stayed where you are? That's it. Well, two more counties joined on. So Matt McCaw is coming to talk with us about that. So we got a whole hell of a lot to talk about tonight. Our other sponsor is New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness Center, and they're having their big green Saturday event coming up the day after Black Friday. And you can get a whole bunch of deals. Matt will be here to explain that a little bit uh, coming up. But let's just get on to the show. And Bill London, he is hey. a real person. Look at that. He really is real. And Dr. Michael Bratlin, we're kind of like twins. We're like the He's trio. down there. He's I know. Down there. If you were the Brady Bunch, he would be uh, Buffy or something. <laughs> so, Bill. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about this. How, how, what did you think of this election results? I've got people on here going, pray for Oregon. Well, <laughs> Oregon okay. Okay. So I have had a number of emails today from people. Um <clears throat> A lot of phone calls today and just people that I've seen out in the community when I went out for lunch and they're like, you know, OK, dude, I'm a conservative. What do I do? How, how do I deal with this? So I've got some suggestions. First, there's this. This is a great whiskey that just won a year ago a platinum metal at the American whiskey uh, competition, and it's from Albany. It's like small batch, so single local. malt, aged American whiskey. And I'm going to tell you, it is really good. It is from Albany. It is worth picking a bottle of this up, and it's not badly priced. It's about 50 bucks. Now, if you're somebody that wants something a little sweeter, I would suggest <laughs> this. This is made in Eugene. It's a gin that is made with honey. 
It's sort of like your gateway gin. It's very exactly. nice. Now, so, so Bill, are we talking about a honey gin because we all got stung? Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> right there. A little hair of the dog. Now, if you're one of those people that likes to go a little bit more expensive, I suggest this Glen Morangie. This is a scotch, and it is aged and finished in port casks. Very nice. Or if you're just really feeling down, there's always straight vodka. So <laughs> if you want to deal with it, that's the way I suggest you go. Um, so, so Dr. Bratlin, that's my <laughs> dentist. Sarah goes, that's my Hi. dentist. Hi, Sarah. So, so Bratlin, I told Bill that after he does this newscast, almost every time he's saying, you know, Dr. Bratlin has his hands in your mouth and has something to say about that. So it, it is true. Michael, how are you feeling today after? I mean, you're pretty outspoken about, you know, you, one of your ads is, um, you know, don't forget what they did to us. And it appears that a lot of people didn't forget, but it appears a lot of people didn't care. Yeah, well, I like I'm having just, it done to them. Yeah, I, I, I just think there's a bunch of idiots in the state. Uh, I, I don't see how we can have this <laughs> dictatorship uh, for the last couple of years and and still vote for the same for the next four years. I woke up this morning. I just it's like a bad nightmare. Uh, like, like and nothing's changing. I mean, they just they said Tina Kotek won. Um, I'm not giving up the fight, though. Like I'm sitting there today thinking about my new ads and, and what we're going to do. But I'm not giving up. I'm not moving out of the state just because a bunch of crazy libs or, or socialists are controlling our state. Uh, we need to. We I think we we have the normal people have sat back. We most normal people have jobs, and so we sat back while the crazy people uh, took control. And now we need to fight. Get we need to take it back. We need to start going to city council meetings. We need to start going to uh, going to uh, any committee meetings that we can get involved in. We just we got to do something because this is ridiculous. It, Let's go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go, no, ahead. no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, um, I don't know at this point whether it's going to be possible to take it back. And I, you know, I don't really look at the actual candidate results as an indicator of where the state's going as much as I look at the ballot measures. To me, right. the ballot measures are a perfect indicator of where, if you will, you know, the power in people's minds lie in this state. And I look at, for instance, ballot measure 113 passed by a huge margin, 68 to 32%. That's the one that says, if you have 10 unexcused absences from the House or the Senate and the Oregon legislature, you're gone. So I can, look at can, uh, let me let me finish. I look at 114, the uh, uh, the gun control measure, which is now passing 51 to 49 percent. Um, I look at uh, ballot measure 112, and that is the one that bans slavery in prisons. That's also passing. And I look at that and I say this is the way the majority of voters in this state actually lean and what they actually believe. And what it has become in this state is a zero-sum game. It's not about compromise. It's not about sitting down and saying, okay, 
you don't like this, I like this. How can we find a happy spot and what can we give and what can you give so we can meet in the middle and do something? It's become a zero sum game. If you look, really, if you think about ballot measure 113, the walkout, you want to talk about voter disenfranchisement? Right. This essentially is saying, okay, you walked out. You were an elected official. You can't be an elected official anymore. We've decided that without a vote of the people. Right. And what the Republican legislators did in the last couple of sessions is the same thing the Democrats have done in the past. However, they have now put these legislators in a position. If they walk out, well, it doesn't make any difference what your constituency says, what your voters say. If the folks that elected you to office want you to defend them, if the folks that you voted for, you agree, you think they should walk out to stop cap and trade, well, guess what? Yeah, your vote doesn't count. That is voter disenfranchisement. It's what I mean by a zero-sum game, the same thing with guns, you know? Okay, because you own guns, we automatically assume that you're crazy and you're evil. We are going to figure out a way to disarm you. So we have crafted a bill that essentially is gonna stop every single gun sale in this state if and or when this goes into effect. But Bill, what's really troubling about it is they hide it behind this, this false morality. This we're doing this for your for your own good. We want well. It is a morality, but it's their morality. It's a morality, morality that they have created, and they right. believe that just like I mean, it's like a religious dogma. You know, yeah. I mean, you might as well just call it the uh, progressive versus conservative crusade. And in this state, they own it. And really, there's two choices. I mentioned this this morning. Um, although you're going to hear a third choice. I mentioned this this morning. It's comply or leave. Michael, how do Those you feel? Those are the choices. That? No, I, we're, we're not, we're not going to bend over backwards for these people. We're, we're, this is a, we're going to figure something out and we're going to, we're going to, there, there was, a, we saw a trend and, and, and Tina almost lost. Uh, we're, we're going to do something. Uh, I get a lot of supporters. People like my messaging. There's a lot of people out there that don't speak up that actually want to fight back. And we're going to figure something out. And my brain's spinning. We're going to, we're going to do something. Uh, I'm done. Here's one good, thing, one good thing built and explain this to people. One sure. good thing that did come out of it, many good things, Kepa, but one really good thing well, that came out of it is that Democrats no longer have a super majority. Yeah. And why is that? Why is that a good thing? Well, it's because they just can't unilaterally pass that new taxes. That's the, that is the long and the short of it. They don't have the votes to do it. Um, and that's going to be a good thing for Oregon businesses, which have been hammered over the last four years. Uh, well, actually eight years with a variety of new taxes, the cat tax, which of course they don't call it a tax. Uh, the, the cat tax on businesses, both large and small, uh, it's going to make it difficult for them to do that. And that is the one good thing that came out of it. Um, one thing I wanted to say about Christine Drazen coming close, I don't know that she comes that close if it isn't for Betsy Johnson. Yeah, no, she, she doesn't. That's why we need another Betsy Johnson four yeah. years from now. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully we get a Betsy Johnson that does better than 8%. 
Well, yeah, I but Betsy Martin. Johnson was, I got to tell you, Betsy Johnson was great. She really was. I, I think of the, all three of them, she actually was one of the best candidates. She would, she would have actually been more fair than anybody. Oh, I I'm think not, she could have she could have got more done because yeah. she was a Democrat. She became an, a non-affiliated voter. And the problem Drazen was going to have is you still have a legislature that's dominated by Democrats. And to get them to work together, as you can see, they don't really care what the rest of us think. And so to get somebody to work together, I think Betsy could have brought that together a little bit better, in my opinion, than Drazen. But I would take either one of them over yeah. the coach. Yeah. Well, the thing about Betsy Johnson uh, is that she's not part of the tribe and didn't pick i don't think she picked up you know of her eight percent i doubt that half of that actually came from democrats right um because she she broke ranks with the tribe the one thing i've noticed is that politics has become incredibly tribal you're with us or you're against us and if you're against us, by God, we're going to do whatever we can to try and slit your throat and leave you in a drainage ditch because you are not part of our tribe. And I think that maybe the reason that Betsy, uh, you know, wasn't able to pull hard from the Democrats was because they are very tribal. And I also think, you know, if you look at the polling, I think that people looked at it and went, well, she's got 20 percent, but. It's only 20%. Am I throwing my vote away? And then shifted their vote at the last minute. I think in the last two weeks, she probably lost a lot of support just over that. Oh, I think it was a poll about a month ago that came out that showed her at about 20, 21%. Yeah. I think that really, I think that killed her. Yeah. I think that killed her. Let me bring another voice into this conversation. This is Alan Stout. Um, Alan ran against John Lively uh, for our house district in Springfield. And this is your first time doing it. And you, I mean, honestly, dude, you did pretty well. I mean, I, I was, I was happy when I looked at the results this morning. I'm thrilled with the results. I'm not going to lie. The, the sheer number of people that turned up, that turned in their ballot. When I look at all the other candidates that run against uh, John in the last 10 years, this was an astonishing uh, turnout of Springfield voters who said, I'm tired of being ignored. I'm tired of being not listened to. I'm tired of not having my voice represented. And I want somebody who's, I mean, I'm not a terribly controversial guy. Like I've, I haven't said a lot of things. I'm like, every, I see a lot of nuances and a lot of issues, you know, and, and, and they're just like, Hey, anyone who's going to take the time to listen to us. And that was that was so much fun is to receive okay. that gift from the people of Springfield. OK, but now talk to me about this and all of us about this yeah. topic. You and I talked earlier and you said mm -hmm. during this campaign, you felt like your voice wasn't really heard the way you would want it to be heard. You had to play the game. Yeah. And and if I look back, I think that may have been a mistake. Uh, within this campaign, because there's me, Alan, just like regular human being. You meet at the door. Oh, you actually show up at the door. Wow, that's impressive. Because um, I did actually show up at the door. Um, you're encouraged as a candidate. There's a ton of pressure to like, all right, do what works, right? And I think that like there's a ton of pressure. Like what everybody loves November. Ninth. You know why? It's the end of campaign ad season. <laughs> right. like, I'm, I'm done with campaign ads. And, and 
um, you know, every political consultant, every politician, everybody's going to say, oh, the thing with campaign ads is that they work. Well, I, I, I just don't see, I think we need to really start to look at, are we really connecting with people? Are we making that emotional connection? Are we doing things just a little bit different? Because the genre of campaign ads, immediately when I see a campaign ad, it just goes, and I'm like, and you're encouraged as a candidate. I'm like, okay, well, if you say this is going to get us to win, well, guess what? I did what they told me to do. And guess what? We didn't win. So, right. so and they, I, I, they want you to say certain things because so, this is what voters will take. And I correct. think it's, I think it's horseshit. Correct. And I, think I, and, and I didn't do it. And it, there was, I had some commercials like your last one. We hear I were talking about his commercial. Yeah. I said, Alan, that was not you. That did right. not even look like you on that commercial. And they, I did the same thing because you're at the end and they're having you do these commercials. But somehow we've got to change the way that candidates appear. Like just right. to, instead of being so worried about whether they look, I remember Alan Alley, one of the funniest things he ever did was somebody came up and said, you don't look like a governor. And he said, no, you don't look like a good candidate. And he goes, but do I look like a governor? And it was so funny because it's like, what is a candidate supposed to look like? And maybe that doesn't really work for people anymore. And we need more honesty. And that's what you were telling me is you felt like you kind of got lost in your campaigns. Absolutely. And it's just, you know, it's encouragement to say, hey, what's going to work? What's going to work? And I think, you know, when I look back, at that, I just want to be, okay, what is most authentic to my voice? Because, you know, we've been talking about Betsy Johnson a little bit. And one of the things that I respect about her was no matter what issue you were on, even if you disagreed with her, and I ultimately didn't support Betsy because I disagreed with her on some things, but I knew right where she stood. You right. know, I, I mean, I was, I was supportive of Drazen all the way, uh, but I knew right where Betsy stood. And I appreciated that. And even Republicans in the legislature that I've talked to said, you know what? I respected and appreciated Betsy because I, you know, I could be her friend because I, I could understand her. She was straightforward with me. And I think people are hungry for that straightforwardness. Um, but I think the reality is we're not going to get outside of this two-party system anytime soon, except possibly in some of these nonpartisan or you know really small races. So let me ask you Nonpartisans this have become partisan. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look at uh, uh, in Lane County, Senega oh, yeah. and Don Leslie. I mean, you, you want to tell me that everybody didn't know that Don Leslie was a hardcore <laughs> progressive? <laughs> I mean, come on, really? Um, and that Sen uh, Senega was, you know, more of a, I guess you would call him kind of a mainstream moderate conservative. Maybe Bill, the, the mayor of, of Coburg could be a good example. So or it's oh, all Alan, oh, the right in. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm thinking small. So yeah. Alan, do so. Or, I know you and I talked. So you want to yeah. do something like this again, maybe run again? Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you want to run for, Alan? I'm Honestly, uh, probably a city council position. And the reason I say that is because is I was talking to folks on the on the campaign trail. You know, we're talking about state issues, but I realized I'm actually really excited about some of the things we can do on a local level. I think the bigger impact is made locally. It's made in our backyards. It's made, you know, in, and if we had everybody standing up together and holding hands against Main Street, the state would be powerless to do a dang thing about it. And those roundabouts would be gone. You know, it's those sorts of issues where we're really organizing people around, you know, what is good for our community, what's good for our schools, what's good for our kids and our businesses and others. That's, I think, a crucial area we can make a huge difference and so i think mean, that's where my heart is led right now and 
and what I'm considering in the future. I hope you do that. Yeah, I think, and, and I'm talking to Mark Herbert is uh, one of our, he works for Albert Taylor, but he's also a big political guy, he's run for office. And he said, that's what we need to do is be finding guys like you who are pretty successful. And I love the fact that you want to be yourself and not, so don't hire those consultants, hire me and I'll come help you. And we'll you do know, it. I, we'll I want to, uh, you know, going to, to uh, Alan's point here, one of the places where I think Republicans have failed miserably in this state is they don't have what I'm going to call a minor league system. No. And where, uh, you know, you start off on a city council or mm -hmm. you start off on a school board or, you know, water board, whatever. Um, we don't, Republicans don't have that and they haven't tried to nurture that. And really, mm -hmm that's not only where you get your feet wet and kind of learn how the game is played, but that's when you start to move up from there to say a county commission seat or, you know, your local representative for the local house. Now the people know you, they've seen your track record. They know what you've done on the city council. They know who Alan Stout really is. And now they're ready to support him, whether they're a Republican or a Democrat, because they've seen, they've seen you. And, and, and Republicans have done a just horrifically horrible job of doing. Yeah, that. because because we actually have jobs. Like, <laughs> oh, no, I agree with that. But, we we but, actually okay. work really hard. You know what, and, Michael? Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with you on that. Um, okay. You look at you know the mayor of Springfield. That guy's got a full time gig, yeah. and he. No, no, I'm not saying everybody. You look, but, you look at the city council in Springfield. Most of those people have full-time gigs. They have jobs. And sometimes, you know, it's like anything else. You know, Michael, you don't get ahead by working eight hours a day. And that's where you start. You start on those like city council positions, school boards, and so on and so forth. And yeah, it takes a lot of time in your life. But if you really are sincere, about public service and really sincere about making a difference and enacting a difference, that's what you got to do. And it's not an eight hour a day job. Okay. So a lot of people have been talking about leaving Oregon and one of the other ballot measures out there on and Wheeler County and Morrill County that passed was greater Idaho, the movement to expand the Idaho border and take back Oregon and put it into Idaho. And I know some of you think that's crazy, but it's, I was listening to Buck and Clay the other day and they were talking about, did you know that Oregonians are so irritated and pissed off that they're actually, there's a movement to join Idaho. So Matt McCaw is with Greater Idaho. Matt, welcome to the conversation. Thanks for having me. Um, so how many counties so far are in your, um, in your court? Yeah. So Greater Idaho, just, just for your viewers, what everything that's been talked about here tonight, what you guys have been talking about, self-determination and, and what do we do? Where's the solution? Greater Idaho is a solution and, and it's a solution that we are saying a, a border is an arbitrary line that is it's utilitarian. It's there to better communities to to group people into similar communities uh, for their own betterment uh the the border between oregon and idaho was determined 200 years ago and it no longer makes any sense because that's not where the natural divide is between 
peoples. The, the natural divide is the west side of Oregon, the Willamette Valley and, and the west side of the Cascades, and the east side. Uh, the east side of Oregon is incredibly conservative. It's, it's very similar to Idaho economically, culturally, politically. Um, so our proposal is you can change that border and, and it's legal, it's, it's possible, and it, it makes a ton of sense and it's a solution. And so our proposal is to move the Idaho-Oregon border west and, and, and to take in 15 full Oregon counties and two partial counties. Uh, and so of those 15 counties, over the last three years, we've been going to each of those counties and putting a question in front of voters says, do you want your elected leaders to pursue this solution? And we're up to, after Wheeler and Morrow County passed their measures yesterday, we're up to 11 of those 15 counties that have voted on it, or, or 11 counties have voted on it. We've had three that still haven't had a chance to in Eastern Oregon. Uh, 11 of those counties that said, yes, we want our elected leaders to move forward. We like this solution. We want this to be the solution uh, to this cultural divide we have in Oregon. Now, the problem is, is you have to have your senators and your congressional people approve this. And there's not a snowball's chance in hell that Ron Wyden, in fact, Ron Wyden, I think he was quoted as saying he wasn't going to let that land out of his sight or something when he actually lives in um, New York City or New York State anyway. I don't know why it matters to him, but I mean, you, you would have a long haul to get this to go. Is 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 the just as important as it happening? Is it having the conversation to give people some hope and also to, to say, we're, we're so tired of this, we, that, you know, it, it is making people talk about it. That is definitely important. We, we believe that this is doable. Uh, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't think this was possible. The process is to get the two state legislatures to agree, Idaho and Oregon. So uh, if Idaho and Oregon start talking, uh, if their legislators start talking and say, you know, where the border is doesn't make any sense. It would make far more sense to move that border to the Cascade Mountain Range. And then Western Oregon would have much more uh, similarly grouped people. Eastern Oregon would join Idaho, which they're very similar to culture-wise, politics-wise. If those two states agreed to it, then it goes to the U.S. Congress. And if the U.S. Congress says, okay, you can, that's how you can move a border. Borders move all the time. Borders have moved in between Oregon and Washington fairly recently in 1958. Um, it, states, it's called an interstate compact, and they can agree to put a border wherever they want. I think the important thing for people to remember is that a border is is just an imaginary line for our the betterment of people. Um, we get stuck in this. The border's been there for 200 years. Ron Wyden, this land is not Ron Wyden's. Uh, this land is the people who live here. Um, Eastern Oregonians own the land and the federal government owns a big chunk of that land. Um, what, when, when you're talking about moving a border, you're just talking about moving the governance. And we believe that we can, we can make that happen. We have legislators in Idaho that are absolutely ready to move forward in, in these talks. We're working on getting that same support in Oregon, um, ready to get talks going between the two state legislatures to talk about where would it make sense to have the border. Can I ask a question? Let me ask one Can I ask a question about that? Is that something that the legislature would then put forward to uh, the people of the state of Idaho as a referral, or would that be something that would actually be decided on the floor in the Idaho legislature? So, so there's nothing that says you have to go to a vote of the people. An interstate compact is between the two legislatures. And, and so we would, I mean, our process has been, we, this is a group of people that said, this would be a great idea, man, Eastern Oregonians, 
they belong in Idaho. They, they identify, they are like the people in Idaho much more closely than they are the people in Western Oregon. Um, you can go down any issue in Oregon and, and take that issue and people on the West side of the state believe and vote one way and people on the East side of the state, it's almost just the exact opposite. Um, so, so we've gone county by county because we wanted to see if this was an idea worth pursuing and if it had the popular support that you need to get elected leaders to actually move forward but that wouldn't have to that wouldn't have to happen the legislatures could make that decision and then you know as representatives of the people um what we would hope is that if after the legislatures talked and said hey we're going to move the line to xyz and here's the process that it would go back to the people so that people could say okay now that we've seen the details we're still on board matt the problem i see with that is we have a legislature right now that doesn't give a shit if we gerrymander <clears throat> districts in, in current positions. When I was in uh, Oregon, my district was gerrymandered so that um, the people of Camp Creek and Cresswell out in the rural parts of the county, we were, we were put into the same district as the University of Oregon. Um, now, so if they can't even get that straight, what are communities of, you know, of, of um, identity and people that are seeing things the same way or similarly, how the hell are they ever going to do that with an entire state? Because they don't want to play fair. They don't want to give up anything. They want to win and they want everybody else to just do what they tell them to do. I don't have a problem with what you're doing. I think it's awesome. But I think our legislature is so biased and wants to win they don't care. Now, the only hope I would have for you is that when you got to Congress, they don't seem to understand what a border is and they believe in open borders. So at this point, I think you could open just about any damn border you wanted to. And to, we're just letting millions of people fly in from the south anyway in the north. So why not just let Oregon do it? Oh, I get it. You can only have no borders when it is foreign people. You can't do it when it's people in your own state. That's such hypocrisy. Oh, it just drives me crazy. So, so can I make uh, just one, you know, uh, rebuttal yes. to that is that I, I think part of our job is to convince people on both sides of the state that this is a win-win. And, and what happened last night, you know, people used to ask me, you know, people always say, the, Oregon, the Democrats will never let you go. But then in the next sentence, people would say, well, if Christine Drazen wins, the Republicans will never let you go. Uh, you know, the truth is our two sides of the state are so polarized that it, it it makes no sense for people in Portland to dictate policy to Eastern Oregon. And conversely, it makes no sense for somebody in Spray, Oregon, to be telling Portland what their policies need to be. And people on both sides of the state understand that. And, and so we think it would be a win-win. Western Oregon is pretty uh, similarly minded. If you look at the way Western Oregon votes, especially Northwestern Oregon, you see numbers you know, that are 65% this or 70%. That's pretty similarly minded. Eastern Oregon is the same way. It doesn't make any sense for either of those groups of people to be trying to, we're going to get in charge and force our way on you. Uh, it makes far more sense to say, hey, we're going to go our separate ways. Western Oregon, you govern the way that makes sense for Western Oregon. Eastern Oregon, get your governance from Idaho that makes sense for you. So Jim Koss says, wouldn't it turn Idaho into a supermajority of Republican controlled, which is the antithesis of what many folks loathe about Democrat control of Oregon. Well, Idaho is already an incredibly conservative state. I, I think their legislature is like 80% uh, Republican. It, it's already very conservative. And I don't think that we should um, 
we want people, we want to match government to people's values. We want people to have government that they want. Um, and, and I think what people loathe, uh, at least people on the east side of the state loathe about Oregon is that Oregon is very, very liberal. Northwest Oregon is very, very liberal. Um, and, and so what ends up happening for us out here in eastern Oregon is just the numbers of western Oregon overwhelms. It doesn't matter what we think or how conservative we are. They force policy on us. Um, it, 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 we should try to get people matched to government they want. Northwest Oregon is very liberal. They should have the liberal government they want, but they also shouldn't be able to force that liberal government on all of us in the rest of the state that don't want it. I had an interview with a woman from Rome, Oregon. Uh, she was a rancher. This is years ago. And she said the most profound thing to me. She said, okay, so the, the people from Portland came out. They'd never even been to the Owyhee River. They, but they came out, they, they, they forced us to fence off the water so that our cattle couldn't drink from the water anymore. We've been doing that for 150 years. Plus we made all these lakes out in the wilderness for elk and our cows and that kind of thing. She goes, I go to Portland to fight this. And I stand on the banks of the Willamette River and I look 30 miles in each direction and I see a river encased in concrete and polluted. And you're going to come to me and tell me how to manage my river when you can't even manage your own. That happened to people in the Steens Mountain too. The same thing. People from Portland, never been there, regulating from Portland, telling them how to do it. And why don't you clean up your own frickin' city before you come out and start messing with other people that you know nothing about what they're doing or why they do it. I agree. And, and, and you know, Alan was was talking earlier about, you know, getting to the local level and, and, and you know, uh, what the things you can do at your city. We really, a core value of, of the United States is self-determination and, and getting government that you actually want that matches your values. And that's what our movement's trying to do, match more people to the government that actually matches their values for both the west side of Oregon and the east side of Oregon. Can I argue though, Matt? I just uh, I, I I like your position, and I mean, I feel like I can argue with you and actually have a conversation. Um, so so I believe that if we have a more localized approach to things, if Oregon actually allowed our local communities to make their own decisions locally, which is the way I think government should function, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. And so, in some way, um, going towards the Greater Idaho movements is actually trying to put a giant. Um, giant structural change, and, and forgive me, I'm going to say this, just like the Democrats would do, um, in, as a solution to what really should be a matter of a movement towards a more subsidiary, a local control of each organization. So if I'm fighting for something, I'm not fighting for your cause, I'm actually fighting to say, I just want more control locally. How, how would you respond to that? Well, I think that we, most of the people that support our movement would agree with you 100% and we would love to have local control. When coronavirus hit, we would have loved to been able to say to Kate Brown, no, we're not shutting our businesses down. Yeah. No, we're, we're not closing our schools. People in Eastern Oregon hated all of those policies. They, they didn't want their kids in masks. They didn't want their kids out of schools. Um, but right now that, that kind of control doesn't exist at the local level. So we have to deal with what we've got, which is, you know, if state government is so powerful over local control, then we are going to try to change our state governance. And, and so that's the approach we've got. But we're all for I think local control is, uh, you know, the ideal that, that everybody wants. Um, but unfortunately, in, in the state of Oregon right now, we don't have that. Our, our local school districts don't even have control over 
the types of curriculum and things that are forced into kids' bathrooms. Like uh, that's all state policy coming from the state level government. Um, and we oh, don't come have- Come on, to they need tampons in <laughs> kindergarten bathrooms. That's <laughs> not a popular policy bathrooms. in Eastern Oregon. Let, still, let me tell I you. I still uh, want to see the video on how a boy uses a tampon. I haven't seen that yet. I'm not sure how that works. So, so I think we would support you, Alan. We, I think most of our supporters would be all for more local control. But, you know, when we put our idea in front of voters, you know, people in Eastern Oregon have, have not had government that represented them for a long time. And uh, when when we put our solution in front of voters in Eastern Oregon, the first thing they said is, oh, man, is that possible? And when they know, okay, it's possible, yes, we want you to pursue that. We want you to look into that because it is a solution that makes sense. It solves problems. And we're not just winning these elections out here in Eastern Oregon, 51-49. We're, we're winning them 58, 60, 64, 65. Uh, uh, people want their elected leaders to look into this. Any final thoughts, Mr. Bratlin? No, it's just interesting. I, I, I wish that they could do that. I don't think they're going to, but I was just thinking about uh, Measure 114 and how everybody in Eastern Oregon, uh, how that's gonna affect them with the guns. But I think there's a lot of, I mean, somebody came on earlier and said that, what is it, some police department said they're not gonna enforce that law. Yeah, but the sheriff's office. Yeah, so everybody in Eastern Oregon wants guns. So, uh, the problem is, is the people in Portland, they're the ones that are dictating the rest of the state. And if you look at the map, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, besides pockets of Eugene and Portland and Salem and uh, obviously Yahats and Lincoln City, the rest of this, the whole state is Republican right. almost. And they're controlling us. And it just it, it pisses you off. Right. It, it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, you know, if you if you look around, it's Lane County who, who voting for Kotex was Lane County. Multnomah Lincoln County, Lincoln, Lincoln County, and yeah. Lincoln County yeah, and Washington then, County. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what would happen, you know, not to be like a mutinist, but um, like the sheriff? Um, what if the sheriff's department's just said on 114, we don't have the budget, we don't have the means to do this, we're not going to enforce it, screw you? Most of them have already done that, Rick. Really? <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Okay. So here's, here's where that's going to be an issue. Part of Measure 114, if you read all 12 pages of it, requires police departments to issue permits so that you can just purchase a gun. Right. If your local sheriff's office says we're not abiding by 114, people that live in unincorporated areas ain't going to be getting a permit to buy a, buy a gun. Right. And the way that it's also written it has to be a local law enforcement agency. So in other words, you know, let's say I live in Washington County and the sheriff up there said, oh, no way. And I can't just go down to Clackamas County and say, I'm applying here. Right. Same way, it's, it's like a concealed carry license. You have to go to your local, uh, you know, sheriff's office. But don't and, you think and, and, and here's, and I'm gonna take this a step further. I'm curious to see how many police departments, because if you live in, say, the city of Eugene, a municipality, you have to go to the city police. How many of those metrop uh, metropolitan or municipal police agencies are going to say, yeah, no, we don't have the funds to set up this infrastructure. Uh, we, we just we're not going to do that. 
Yeah. I, I think you're going to affect a lot of sellers, though. I mean, they're not going to go with the individual people. They're just going to they're going to go after the gun dealers and the sellers. It's easy to go after them. Well, don't a lot of the gun sellers are like, uh, if they can't sell guns, huh. they're not going to stay in business unless they're, you know, a Cabela's or, yeah. you know, one of those huge companies that can just stop selling guns for a couple of years while it's worked out. What's going to happen here on 114 if it does pass, which, you know, it, it still may not. What's going to happen is you can bet there's going to be a group that is already probably lawyered up at this point that we have yep. not heard of. They've already got the legal documents set and they're going to go in front of a court and get a stay. And then it's going to be decided in the courts. Yeah. And so then all the people who voted for that and all the people who put this on the ballot, you just cost taxpayers. You're always whining about not having enough money to take care of the homeless situation and the prison situation. You just wasted a shitload of money on more on a worthless piece of legislation that wasn't going to work anyway. But you didn't care. You just wanted to make a point. And now you've now we've wasted that money. Um, taxpayer dollars fighting something that never should have even happened because it was poorly written and a piece of shit legislation. Matt, I know you got to go get somewhere. So I'm going to let you out of this thing and I'm going to let everybody else just kind of finish one thing. Thank you for joining us. I really Thank appreciate you, it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yep. See you later, buddy. So um, final comment, Alan, you haven't had your final say. Um. No, you caught me off guard there, Rick. Um, <laughs> I like Bill London that way. You know, um, studio, and then I, I hit you. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the, um, I, I like what you said, Bill, about the minor leagues. It's human nature to try and take shortcuts to do things, and sometimes they actually work, which is why people keep doing them. I, I, I don't ever buy a lottery ticket, but I actually bought one the other day, uh, just because you know it was above a two billion dollars, which is for fun. And it, it, the thing I love about the lottery is it's it's a symbol of meaningless potential, and <laughs> and it's just a perfect breakup thing. Give give your you know if you want to break up with somebody, give them a lottery ticket and just say, hey, it didn't work out. Um, On Facebook, <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Um, but where where I get that is there's enough folks that I'm excited, especially folks like Michael Bratlin of actually working on the minor leagues. You know, the biggest mistake, you know, baseball didn't make was they didn't get involved with um, the universities, you know, it's, so the universities are now the, the farm team for uh, the NFL. And like, I love football. It's great. You know, um, but I'm saying is, is we need to be doing the same thing, just like you said. And it's the smaller races. It's the people that are thinking, Hey, I can make a difference. Just stepping up a little bit. And having more intelligent conversations than just what we see in these stupid political ads. Yeah. And Bill, your your last, your final, your final quip. And don't say putting your hand in Dr. Bratlett's mouth. We, we, wait, last, wait, last time he came in, he asked for a prostate exam. And I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. know why this guy always wants prostate exams. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. But you have very soft way. hands. I will say. Yeah. That's, that's a long, yeah. That's a long you know, way. I, <laughs> I, I, um, I just, I, I believe that, you know, what we saw last night and what we're going to see, I, I don't see this state changing for a generation at least. Yeah. And as one listener said, maybe what conservatives need to do is vote in favor of every single crazy idea 
that the other side comes up with and literally drive the state oh, into man. the side of a hill in a smoking heap and then come in and say, you know, there might be a better way. Um, I found that to be rather entertaining, the way that that, that was put. And maybe that's the only way the state's going to change. Yeah, could be. Gentlemen, thank you like for an, joining Like me. a drug addict, you got to hit bottom. Yeah, it's, it, it, you have to be able to admit that you're stupid before you can, we can, we can mm -hmm. cure your stupidity. And right yeah. now, Oregon is not ready to admit that. Um, we have one more sponsor. I'll let you guys out of here, but I want people to stick with this. Um, New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness Center, which Bill does, or Jorge, excuse me, Jorge does that, and yes. right upstairs from him and goes up and does this. And they're having their big special coming up on the Green Saturday, which is right after uh, Black Friday. So uh, listen to Matt McCarl, and uh, then we'll be right back here. Talk about that. No, you're going to talk. No, I know, but you aren't going to ask me a question. Like, it's not going to be our normal no. thing. No. Okay. no, this is the so Matt McCarl joins us now, New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness Center. And this is the time of year that people have waited with bated breath for. <laughs> they really do. Absolutely. Don't they? Yeah, so yeah. Tell yeah, us what absolutely. this is. Tell us about Green Saturday. So Green Saturday is the Saturday following Thanksgiving. We do it during Shop Small Weekend, all that fun stuff for folks here locally. It's the time of year where folks can get the lowest price point of the year for their hyperbaric sessions. This year, it's sixty-five dollars a piece. As many treatments as folks want to put on their account, you can buy it at one. You can buy 10, 20, 30, 40. We have folks that come in and buy enough treatments to last them all year round. That also is for massage. So you can get massage $65 a piece. And starting last year, we incorporated our power bed into the sale. We can get the power bed for $35 a piece uh, for the 20 minute light therapy session as well. So you can go and just, you can walk in or you can just give them a call and they'll pre, you can pre-order these things. Um, otherwise, you, and then they'll just bill you um, on the green Saturday. So this is the one time of the year. And seriously, they sell a ton of these, but it is your time. If you've never tried it, it's a great opportunity to go in and do it because Bill will, Bill will vouch for me. Um, it's awesome, yes. isn't it? Uh, I will vouch for you. I go every other week. Um, I at first was skeptical of it. It's like, oh, what is this? And it took me about a month and a half. And then I realized one day when I got up, my lower back doesn't hurt. Um, have, you was, done the light, have you done the light therapy yet? Uh, yeah, I do. The, I call it the happy helmet. Because um, they've <laughs> got... Matt swears that it's growing, his hair is growing back. Well, <laughs> I think we can tell that part of working for me. I got a clear cut going on here. But um, <laughs> no, the hyperbaric treatment is amazing. And uh, as far as healing faster, so I've broken my ribs twice in my life and the cracked my ribs. And the last time, which was about a year ago, um, here I am six years older than I was the first time that I did it. And after about a month, they weren't hurting anymore. The yeah. previous time, my ribs were sore for three months. I, I was like, okay, there's only one thing I can attribute this to. Um, it's great for healing up and inflammation. Uh, like I said, my lower back pain, I haven't had it for a couple of years. So it's all that. Hey, Bill, thanks for being thanks for being available tonight to do this. I that was uh, that was like old news days. That was fun. Yeah. 
no uh thanks for the invitation happy to do it thanks for what you're doing right, Rick. You bye you're welcome you too and jorge london <laughs> guy's crazy um again thanks you guys thanks to all of our guests to coming on tonight and so uh, what's the takeaway here um don't freak out really you know what i'm just gonna get in my little world right now god has a plan um a peace and hope and prosperity not of our undoing um, so maybe this is what has to happen to get to that plan. Don't give up. Uh, don't stop talking. Don't stop using your voice. Don't stop fighting. Um, and sometimes you have to leave. Sometimes you have to leave. My wife and I figured that out. Sometimes you have to leave and sometimes you don't. We all have our own journey. We all have our own walk. But um, don't let anybody take away your freedom. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. When government starts telling you what to do, that's when you need to get really concerned. And I am really concerned. They are not the boss. They work for us. And just because a percentage, and right now it's a larger percentage of Oregonians either don't understand uh, or want to be taken care of or want to be puppets to someone else, that's their choice. It's not ours. And it doesn't make us better. It doesn't make them worse. But I am not going to be Pinocchio. Um, this little boy, his father told him to grow up and get rid of his strings. And it was hard and it takes a lot of effort. But nobody's going to run me. Um, like what, what Kate Brown did for two years, never again. Never. Never. I'll see you tomorrow night.